One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, this is Flip Your Wig with Max. All about creative people that never give up till they reach success and desires and true happiness. And we all need to just like love and support each other, and that's what I think this new generation of artists is doing. What's up? Flipping our wig with Matt. Hi guys, I hope you lot are all really well. Welcome to Flip Your Wig. This is a place that we celebrate creatives working in film and music. They share their stories and give us an insight into how they've done it. This week is all about indie Brit film Break, an urban thriller with lots of heart, action, sadness and hope. The story is based around Spencer. He's this troubled, talented young guy struggling to get out of crime and focus on his talents. With an awesome cast including the late Rudger Hauer, BAFTA Award winner Adam Deacon, Jamie Foreman and newcomer Sam Gittens, Break is action-packed and I hope ready to take the UK by storm. I chat to director Michael Elkin and producer plus actress Terry Dwyer next. There's nothing wrong with failing, Spencer, as long as you don't give up without fight. What have I got to do? There's another tournament being held in my hometown. Where is that? Beijing. You ain't gonna win no tournament. You ain't that good. Terry, first thing I want to know is how the hell you're managing to navigate Zoom because, like, I'm still getting used to it. I'm thinking, is it recording? Is it okay? You've been promoting a film, doing interviews on TV, radio, podcasts, and you really seem to have adapted. Um, look, it's not easy. It's not. It's not the original plan that we had for it but I think in order to survive at the moment you you need to adapt and and try and roll with it we need to release our film and um that's why we came up with the drive-in uh concept because I think we all felt that consumer confidence was going to be low and and we want people to see the film so this seemed to be um you know against all adversity trying to come up with something new and fresh that people could enjoy the film but in a safe way um, considering COVID is still very rife. Congratulations as well. It is awesome to see that you're not only in this film, um, acting in it, which we're also used to seeing you do, and we know you can do with your eyes shut, but you also took on <laughs> the responsibility of co-producing it. How was mm. that? I mean, did you enjoy it? And was it something you've always wanted to be a part of? Uh, no, I've never thought about producing, but then to be honest, I never really thought about acting either. I've, I've, I've kind of just fallen into it every step of the way. But um, I, have, I have really enjoyed producing. I've really enjoyed um, the fact that it, the responsibility is partly on my head to push the project along. And, and I love people and a lot of producing is, is managing and um, overcoming problems, managing people and overcoming uh, problems, which are two things that I really enjoy. I mean, it's not been without its problems. Problems. You know, Break's been 10 years in the making for writer-director Michael Elkin, and I've only been on it probably about four years. Wow. Um, 
But, you know, we, we've had lots of things to overcome and now we're trying to release in the middle of a pandemic. You don't have the big budget behind it. You don't necessarily have everybody screaming and shouting. So it is literally about people that love film to sit their asses down, watch it. And there's a great narrative. There's great characters. And you lot, I don't know how you did it on such a small budget, but you really rinsed that budget and got a lot of people involved and took it to two different locations. I don't know if you've realised this, but I know a lot of the publicists and the film companies have said, it's all about Quiet Place 2, it's all about Bond, it's all about Mulan, you know, all the big blockbusters for the next few months when they are opening cinemas, which means those indie, beautiful, well-made story films get forgotten. Well, I just think the studio films have just got a lot more money behind them, so they're in a position where they can push their release back another year and wait for everything to die down. We're just not in that position, you know, we, we've got a responsibility to our investors to make the money back, so we pushed it back from April to now um, but we just can't push it anymore and we're tied into our home end which is at the end of August and also it is it is a urban thriller with a backdrop of snooker so we partnered with world snooker and we wanted to coincide with the world snooker championships which are early March uh, early August so we needed uh, to kind of work with other partners um, on the project to get the maximum exposure. I mean, we'd love to push it to next year. We'd love to do the safe option, but here we are and we're making the most of it. Hello, Spencer. Had a nice day. I have. I've had a terrific day. Had the old bill turn the house upside down. Yeah, but I don't keep nothing here, do I, Mum? They're not going to find anything. Oh. Oh, it's all right, is it? I've had two men rifling through my necker drawer, and you think that's all right? I don't need to hear this. Yes, you do! I am sick of this, Spencer! Mom! I am sick of it! And I wouldn't bother going around your little mace either, because he was carted up at 7 o'clock this morning! <laughs> Wow, that was intense. Uh, the film is called Break, and the producer and one of the stars is with me, Terry Dwyer. Terry, uh, when you watched it, were you happy? Were you proud of the work that you guys put in? Because I know there was so much time and effort put into this film. Do you know what? I'd really love to be able to say yes, because you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that has gone, that has gone into this film. But I think every time you almost kind of get to that point, there's another massive hurdle to overcome. Mm. I'm kind of hoping everybody can, involved can actually go, oh, we did it. Yeah. But then you can't because you've got the release to worry about. And then once it's out there, you've still yeah. got the international sales to worry about. Mm. I'm not actually sure at what point you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. I mean, Michael and I were very emotional on the first day of filming. So perhaps that's as close as we get to it. I'm immensely proud of where we are. Like you said before, what we've achieved on the budget we had. I think the production values are great. And I think everybody, the acting, the way it looks is stunning. So yes, from that aspect, I'm very proud. And what's interesting for you as well as an actress is somebody we've grown up watching you and everybody loves you. And you seem to very easily ride between mainstream and independent, which is like such a rare thing for an actress to do. And I love it. I, I love being on set you know there's nothing that's more exciting than being on set around creative people and I I love indie film I think indie film like theatre um, it allows you to be more experimental you don't have the pressures of the bigger films and for, for me the roles have been much more interesting in independent film and I love independent film everybody there's a real sense of family on set you all know that you're 
working for a lot less than you deserve to, but you know, you're working long hours, but you're doing it because you love what you're doing. And I really like that sense of togetherness and, and feeling like you're achieving something together. I'm sure on the bigger films, you know, I've not had the luxury of doing the massive studio films, but I'm sure there's something similar, but I, I have spoken to a couple of actors that have done that. And the pressure's definitely off in indie. You get to enjoy the moments, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, and the other, I mean, on our podcast, we have a lot of independent filmmakers that come on. We had Mark Jenkins on recently, who basically wrote, uh, directed, did everything for his film, um, Babe, which was, um, he won a BAFTA, which was amazing for him. Jim Cummings also did the same thing, directed, but he starred in it, and he also wrote his film, Thunder Road. He ended up winning at Sundance and also at South by Southwest. But what I find really interesting is, it's almost like in the indie film, everybody automatically assumes, I've got to do everything in order for this to happen. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't think it's that. I think it's a money. I don't think they can afford to employ people to do a job that they're capable of doing. And that's why everybody ends up wearing so many hats. God, yeah, they'd love to have the budget to not have to do 10 million jobs in one film. But unfortunately, the indie sector isn't like that. I mean, maybe at the top of the indie sector, you, you know, you can afford to have a complete team around you. But, um, but then somehow that's kind of nice about indie filmmaking, because I think you get to experience every department. I mean, on break, one time I was in wardrobe and then, I mean, I, I would nip into whichever department on that day there, there seemed to be a gap in and they needed my help. I mean, I can't imagine that happening easily on studio films. Well, not without a frown and anyway, because I think on the bigger budget, everyone stays in their department. Um, so I quite like that flexibility as well and, and not, I, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty, which I think is important on indie. And what would you say to like um, the audience? You know, sometimes they just go and support whatever is forced on them and they see and they hear all the time. And it's not because I think they don't care or they're not interested. I just think it's about, there is so much out here and sometimes whatever's being shouted the loudest, that is what people see. What would you say to them in, um, in regard to going out and supporting a film like Break? I think the problem is if they're gonna spend 15 quid on a cinema ticket, they know what they're getting with Bond. They know what they're getting with some of the bigger studio films. Unfortunately with Indy, you don't because it's not not a recognized brand usually but I think we we are our side of the industry really needs a lot of support at the moment um anytime and if you really want your independent cinemas to still be around next year you you need to go and support independent film you need to support it in your droves because at the moment even though cinemas are being given the go-ahead to open um there's out of 500 cinemas 41 percent of them said they couldn't open because of social distancing and then a lot of the other ones that are opening said that they couldn't open for very long because the numbers just don't add up so if you love going to your local independent cinema and sitting in those small seats and getting your popcorn please do support independent film not just ours but for the industry as a whole yeah. um with regards to break break is inspirational it's beautiful shot it's a really slick script the dialogue's really snappy and that you'll see people in their excellence you know lighting's amazing the camera work's amazing the, for me anyway I think it's independent film at its best and there's a beautiful feel-good story so I, I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it everyone in this life is born with at least one talent a gift sadly most of us will never realize our true potential Either we're too poor, we were born on the wrong side of the tracks, or maybe we're just unlucky. But the truth is, the only thing holding us back is ourselves.
You know what's super interesting is when you meet filmmakers and they make that film that kind of changed their life, they tell you, this film, I started it years ago, and I'm just like, yeah. so like what? But it also reminds you, doesn't it, that don't throw away an idea. Working with somebody like Michael, did you learn stuff? Yeah, I mean, Michael actually approached me as the actress first and said, I've written this part, you'd be amazing. And then I read the script and I loved it. From the minute I read it, I loved it. And we became really great friends and we have a very good shorthand. And then at some point he said, would you consider producing it? And I went, yeah, you know what? I will, because I really believe in it. And and then I brought on uh, Dean Fisher, which I've known Dean Fisher for, gosh, I don't know, over 20 years. And he's a much more experienced producer. And I knew that he would teach me how to produce and not just let me swing on his coattails. So um, we've all learned from each other and we make a really good team between the three of us. I think, um, Michael, it's about timing. It's about that story being um, shopped around at the right time and I think knife crime, um, snooker, finding your talent, I just think something inspirational right now is probably what we all need a bit of and I hope break is that to some people, if it's not I hope they find the film that is because film is escapism and I think in the outside world at the moment we all need a bit of that but I really hope people watch break and realize what a super talented man Michael Elkin is and I hope that this is the film that launches him because he really deserves it. You're full of so much energy and it's so nice to see because there's so many people in the industry especially right now that are like really mm -hmm. pessimistic really feeling crap and um away from just Covid I just feel like anything I've seen of you Terry you always seem to like have this oh. desire and love for like doing what you <laughs> thank do. you um, because I love it I love it and somebody very wise once said if, if you choose a job you love you'll never work another day I mean I I think nothing of working weekends working I mean most people know that whatever time they call me I will always pick up the phone I, I'm never off duty because I love it so much and even when I'm not working in film I'm watching whatever film I can find I, and I think that's a really good lesson to learn in this industry because you shouldn't be in it for the money really you should be in it because you love it and you want to grow and learn and yeah I'm excited I'm excited to see where a break goes I'm halfway through my raise of my next film which is a series of trilogies um, but I still love acting at the moment I would only um, I would only produce something that I'm acting in not because I want it to be the Terry Dwyer show but I like being responsible for how how much something's pushed along in the end product but my glass is always half and I really don't do negative I mean I've got to the point particularly through Covid even if somebody starts bitching or on my timeline that's it blocked don't want it not interested we have a freedom of speech and I really respect that but I just I don't want that negativity in my life at the moment there's enough outside of it and you know I'm sure for a lot of us it's a daily struggle to you know kind of be positive but life is a gift and once we get through this really shit phase We'll all be smiling again and hopefully we'll still have cinemas and theatres to go to, please God. Yeah. Um, and hopefully those big boys at the top of the chain will give us a helping hand for us little boys at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, it is about protecting your peace. I think you're right. It's, it's, it's weird because if you say anything positive, people are like, do you know what's going on? Why are you like doing things to make yourself happy? But it's like, guys, if we yeah. don't have our own peace, we can't make a change and help anybody else. And nobody's, look at what's going on out there. You'd have to be an idiot not to understand the gravity of it. Of course we all know. But I just think for your own mental health, you 
you've got to you've got to do what's right for you and yeah. just because that's something different to the person next to you it doesn't make them right or you wrong yeah. i just think you've got to row your own boat and people just need to stop being so bloody judgmental we've all we are all doing the best we can to get through this awful period and you know uh, hopefully we'll be able to look back at this time when we're in the historic records and yeah. and look back and, and be brave at how much we've recovered and, and we've grown from it. I, that's my hope, anyway. You won't be so flash when you get chored, will you? How am I being flash? Sarge, you're all out thieving all, don't you? I get caught, cool, I get a slap on the wrist. You're dealing class A, boy. And for what? You know what Ginger gives you flipping burgers? <laughs> oh, my days. It's you in this one. Huh? Clark, you thinks you should be flipping burgers, bruv. <laughs> yeah, all right. Right now, there's a bit of a revolution for women, especially women behind the camera and women. I don't know if you watched I made I made destroy you yet with Michaela Cole. Oh my uh, god! Oh wow! I've just finished it. I'm literally like I've been binge watching it and I absolutely love it. But um, she's directed it, she's written it, and she's also starred in it. And she said she had to do that because she had to create the opportunities for herself, especially as a black actress. Um, you know. It's been a tough old struggle for women to be taken seriously behind the camera and also in front of the camera sometimes. What's your experience been like and how does it feel now to see where the industry is? Interesting you should say that because I am developing a TV idea with one of my very, very close friends. And um, we, uh, our hope for it is to have a completely all-female crew. Nice. And not because, yeah, I just think, it, I don't know if it's been done yet. And I personally really champion women. And it's not that I'm saying men are rubbish. It's not that. It's just I want to see what a group of talented, creative women can achieve all together. Because I know for me, uh, my friends, my girlfriends are my chosen family. And I know what we can achieve as a group of friends. So I'm really intrigued to see what a crew of women can achieve. The same way as I would be really interested to see what a crew of men could achieve. Um, but where we are right now, I think there's lots of movements that are really, really important that are going on and have been going on. And I fully and wholeheartedly support most of them. I, I think it needs to be the right person for the job. And I think there needs to be a lot more fairness in the business. I think it, you know, it's very well documented that males get paid a lot more than females and I think at the end of the day you should be merited on your your own ability you know why should one cameraman or camera person get more than another because one's male or one's female I do think the balance is being um adjusted but I think we probably need to work a lot harder and I think you know certainly for me I I wouldn't actively go out for any particular demographic it's whoever's right for the job but interestingly this project is very diverse mm -hmm. in terms of um, um, the, the, the different kind of uh, characters that we've got in it but yeah I, I quite fancy female, uh, a female crew let's see what we can do yeah, what did you think of Michaela's I May Destroy You? Yeah, well, it's interesting because the, the girl that I'm writing with asked me to watch it as a point of reference. <laughs> I, think, I think she's a very, very, very talented young lady. Um, I loved the... I, and I think I, I understood it more because she'd wrote it, but I, I loved the, a lot of the pace of the dialogue because in some places it felt very um, uh, non-scripted. It, it felt improvised in the way that she delivered it. I think her character's quite an awkward character um, in, in the way that she tackles things. I think it tackled really important things. I know that Michaela 
said that um, she found it very cathartic because she had a, a sexual assault personally. And I, I think it was really brave in places. And I, I really applaud the BBC for commissioning something like that. Today when I was looking at stuff about you, and I obviously know who you are, we all do. And I noticed that, you know, when you were early days for you, because you're obviously a beautiful woman, there was a lot of focus oh. on that. No, there was so much focus on that. And yeah. And I think it's so flipping unfair that women are either defined by their age, the way they look, or who they date. Yes. I know. Yeah. I, I am definitely in that bracket now. I think, you know, this, this age bracket that I'm in now is definitely more of the abyss than other age brackets. Um, and, and thank goodness I got to the point where I felt ready to develop my own projects. Um, that said, I think you also you know, you've weathered a few storms at this age and I think you you, you can bring a lot of life experience in, into your roles. It was interesting because one of the commissioners at ITV said, uh, she's actually not there now, but she said, I think most ac actresses until they hit their 40s, just they don't have the the life experience to bring the kind of depth. Now, some do, of course they do, and, and they are those really amazingly gifted actresses that are gifted from a very young age and their instinct is so incredible. Um, but I, I do feel now, because I've, I've you know, been around the block a few times, I feel like I've got a lot more to offer in terms of being an actress. But like I said, I'm really enjoying um, producing as well. Uh, I don't think I'm quite ready to produce a project that I'm not in. But who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm certainly happy where I am now. And I've, since I've taken my career a little bit more into my own hands and I've, I feel like I've got more control, I'm a lot happier. It's very difficult for, you know, this, is, this industry is, is tough. It's really tough. That's why you've got to love it. Yep. I, somebody said, and I, I can't, and I think it's so right, if you do not love it, when it gets tough, you are not going to be able to deal with it. And trust me, it's going to get tough. So you have yeah. to deal. Otherwise, those tough times, you're literally going to like be like, what am I doing? And having emotional breakdowns constantly. Fancy a game? Who's Vincent Chang? Five years and, you know, not hello dad, how are you? So what'd you say? Can you match it? Nowadays, he's like coaching. What's the point in having talent if you keep it to yourself? It's the Flip Your Wig podcast. I'm Max, and I'm now joined by the director and writer behind new movie, Break. Michael, this film, when I first heard about it, I've got to be completely honest, I had, like, sort of preconceived ideas of what to expect. I thought it was a snooker film. I was like, is this for me? And then I watched it, and like every good independent film, it was all about characters, heart, and real stories. So it just reminded me, don't ever judge a book by its cover. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because we had quite a few at the test screening, and there was... Um, I mean, there was people in their 70s because you get all sorts of responses. When you put it out for a test screen and say, does anyone want to come and watch this film? Give us some feedback. And a lot of the feedback we would get, and they put their age and their name and, that you know, if they needed to put their name. Most of it was anonymous, to be honest. I don't think anyone actually put their name. But they put their ages. They put different questions that we asked them about character, about story, about plot and everything else and how they viewed the film. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And every single one of them, even a lot of the older ones, said they really didn't expect to like it because of the snooker element, but it was so much more than that, which is what I wanted to achieve, to be honest. And I'm not a massive snooker fan. Um, I am a snooker fan. I do like snooker, but that wasn't why I made the film. I think you touched on it earlier when you said about characters um, and about the film having a soul and a heart to it. That was more what attracted me to it because I used to go to a lot of snooker halls around South London, Crystal Palace, Tulls Hill, Brixton, which is where I, in my mind, when I was writing it, where I set this was Brixton Snooker Hall. Um, and there used to be such an array of characters that used to come in there um, and, and frequent the place that that was more what really appealed to me with it. Um, and although, I, I mean, I love playing snooker and I, and I do watch it, I, I don't think I've been as avid of yours as, as since the days of like your Steve Davis and your Jimmy White's back in the day. You've got such a, an eclectic cast and such a cool bunch of people because you've got these newbies that are like, like Sam, for example, but then you've got people like Terry and like a really mixed bag of, of like actors in this. How difficult was it for you to get all of these different people into the film and how did you make it happen? Uh, well, a lot of the characters in it, to be honest with you, as I said, it, it was born out of going to Brixton Snooker and lots of yeah. other different snookers I, I used and, and all the characters in there pretty much are real. Uh, they're all based on people I knew. So it, it comes to a stage where I'm, I'm even, when I'm writing characters, I'm writing descriptive characters, but in my mind, I know exactly who they're based on. Um, and then you tweak that. In terms of getting the, the right cast for it, I mean, Sam was fairly easy because I've met Sam a few years before. And I was just chatting to him one day and he was a young actor up and coming. I think he'd just done a thing called The Smoke. And when I was talking to him, I thought, wow, this kid's got, he had something. He had a certain amount of vulnerability where he's quite slight. But yeah, he can still handle himself because I don't know if you know, but he's actually an amateur boxing champion as well in real life. Okay. But um, yeah, the, the, the cast really, I think he was the first to be attached. And then I was looking at different characters to play the mum. And I think Terry had said on her social media that she was looking to get back into acting. And I remembered her obviously playing Ruth from Hollyoaks. Mm -hmm. And I've seen her in independent films since. And I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, she'd be great. So I basically contacted her via Twitter, sent her the script. And she got back to me in a couple of days and said she liked it. How exciting, um, I love it how technology works in your favour. You know, we all hate social media sometimes for the trolls and all the rubbish, but then there's these sides of it, which is brilliant. It is really good for being able to contact people um, and, and trying to get stuff. I mean, I'm getting at the moment, since breaks sort of out there now and people are seeing the trailer, I'm getting about six or seven messages a week from people I've never met just saying, could you read this? Could you look at that? And, you know, and I'd love to look at all of it, but I can't. You know, you're just too busy. I've got other projects that I'm doing at the moment that are my own. David Yip, um, Sophie Stevens. I thought she was a brilliant young actress, by the way. I loved her. Amazing. And then Rutger Howell, like, you get like somebody who's like an icon. And also his last film, nobody would have known that was going to yes. happen. That was going to be the case. But um, like, how did you get him? And what was your memory of working with him as well? Um, well, Rutger came about, he was actually... Uh, 
I don't think we even considered him at first. I went out to a few people initially before mm -hmm. we lost our money, and we initially had an actor called Bernard Hill, mm -hmm. who's in Lord of the Rings, Titanic. Um, he's a big actor as well in his own right, and he said yes. And then when it came, we got, lost the money the first time around, and, and we lost him, and the casting director, Kate Planting, came up and we said, look, we've got to try and recast this role. We'd really like someone with a bit of a profile for this, because we had, it was almost my intention to have younger actors who are not so well known, like Sam, like Sophie, who you mentioned, um, Ethan Hazard, and you know, lots of these other younger actors, and surround them with more known actors, like your Jamie Foreman, your Adam Deacons, and of course, Rutger Hauer. And when um, we'd lost Bernard, we then, Kate, the casting director, put a breakdown out and said, look, we're looking for this. And she went to a few agents and a few names come back. Some of them, you know, great names. But as soon as I saw Rutger Hauer, mm. I was just like, really? Would he do this? And, and we would, I think we were all really excited by it. And then the next step was getting the script to him and saying, look, OK, we'd love you to consider this. And then we got a call back after about a week saying he likes the script, but he wants to talk to the director. Because obviously I'm a first time writer director. Yeah. <laughs> and not everyone's happy to take a chance on that. Um, so he wanted to speak to me over the phone. And I had quite a few video calls with him where we'd be sitting, chatting to each other. And, you know, we'd laugh and joke. And it went on for about a week. And, and he said, look, I like the script, but what about this? And we threw some ideas about. And in the end, we kind of agreed that the script wouldn't change too much. But obviously, because of his Dutch background, I'd originally written it for some Cockney sort of Ray Winston type in my head. Mm. So we, I had to change certain dialogue and stuff like that around but he still wasn't convinced um at some at one point he was sat on the, the uh, video phone to me and he said mike i'm not sure if i'm going to do this and i think i cracked a couple of jokes and basically <laughs> said right come on mate i said we've come all this way chatting and we've had a go we get on don't we we get on and he, he looked at me and went yeah of course we get on and he went okay i'll do it you owe me five grand plus ten percent and i'll give you 11 days to pay me back it's the Flippy Week podcast. I'm Max, and this week we are showcasing a brand new British film. It's called Break. The writer and director behind that film, Michael Elkin, is with me. Michael, the cast was so vastly different from brand new actors to established names. How did everybody get on? What was the chemistry like? Yeah, I think I think everybody got along. To be honest, a lot of the other cast as well, Rucker aside, um, and probably David Yip aside, who I now I, I know David now, and I've got such a profile as well. Um, Aside from him, I mean, the likes of Jamie Foreman, the likes of Luke, who I got to know in the casting, who plays uh, Sam's dad in it. Also great. As I say, Jamie, Adam, and all a lot of the others, Charlie Wernham, all these actors, I kind of knew anyway. I'd worked with Charlie on something, and Scott Peden, who plays Weasel in it, uh, the Scottish guy, that's not Weasel, um, Ginger. As an independent director and independent writer, it's very rare for your first film to get all these people, because... I know from talking to indie um, directors, you mentioned finance running, running out at one point and then having to sort of stop and start. People don't tend to get paid on indie films it's out of passion. Was it just because they loved the script? Basically, yeah, it, it, was, it was the script. Um, a, lot, a lot of them come back to me straight after reading it and just went, absolutely love the script. Yes, I'll do it. Um, and I think it is for the reasons you mentioned at the, at the top of this conversation that it has got a lot more heart and soul to it. I, spoke, I, I worked with a director a long time ago called Alberto Pasolini, okay. who, and I worked with him as an actor, and he produced The Full Monty, for people that might not know, but he's, he also directs films now. And I sent it to his producer, a girl called Kerry Hughes, a long, long time before Break happened. And I said, I'd just like you to look at the script, tell me what you think. And she came back and said, it's got so much more heart and soul than the plethora of 
gangstery sort of working class urban dramas that you see. She said it's really got something. She said it's not for us because we're working on something else, but I really think it's it's got a lot there and you, and you should plow on with it. So I think from early early doors people were saying that the script was really good and Sam loved it as soon as he read it. Terry obviously did. Um, so I think really it was the fact that the script, um, and I hate to sit here going, oh yeah, my script was so good. But <laughs> It was basically that people liked the script and thought it was a strong script. And I mean, I still read it back now and go, yeah, it's decent. We changed things along the way. And, and certainly the order of some stuff changed in the edit, which is, is normally an independent film. But overall, the script didn't really change from the first draft that I wrote 10 years ago to, to shooting. Ooh, it's, it's interesting because like recently there's been those conversations around actors that are writers now and also producing and directing. Um, Terry and I were talking about Michaela Cole as a great example. I just find it fascinating to be able to have all those skills and not be, but when I talk to people that do it, most times they say, I couldn't find the roles. I had to start writing myself. I had to start directing. In, in your case, you know, you've said you're an actor, you wrote this, you directed this. Was this just because this is a labour of love or was it out of frustration because as an actor you weren't necessarily reading the scripts or getting the parts that you felt like what you'd like to do? No, it was, it was nothing to do with me really as an actor. And, and that's the funny thing because along the, the journey I had so many people saying to me, are you going to be in this if you're in yourself mm -hmm. a part? But it was never about that for me. I mean, the, the part, as, as you've seen with Sam, who's absolutely amazing. Honestly, as an actor, I don't think I could have done what he'd done in this film. And I don't think I'm a bad actor at all. But I, I think he's just got something. Um, he's got the right amount of vulnerability, the right amount of, of cockiness that, that was required for the role. And certainly as a younger actor myself, like back in my 20s or whatever, maybe I could have done that. But it was never about that for me. I was creating a story that I never... I was I was watching the story from the outside, having been around that world and involved in all that. I grew up in a council state myself. Everything in there is real. And it just felt like I was painting this picture, and, but that I wasn't part of it. It just didn't make sense to put myself in there. Although I do have a small cameo at the end. You want to stop mugging me off? Are you mugging yourself off? Keep talking shit. I'm so good. I'm going to be a snooker champion. What's your problem, Clark? You're my problem. Your mum this, your mum that. Bollocks! I don't like it, does he? I was talking to Terry, she mentioned that, you know, this has been 10 years in the making. How did you stay so on it and not give up? You know, you've had so many moments where you could have just given up. I think initially, as, as I wrote a long time ago, it was in a drawer for a while mm -hmm. and I was carrying on acting. Then I, I read it and thought, well, I've got to, I want to get this made now. I really want to get this done. And I started tweeting it and putting it out there on Facebook and I'll break coming soon. And I had absolutely nothing. I think Sam was attached. Um, and that was it. I was just putting this script out there trying to get people attached. It was a struggle. But once I got Terry on board and asked her if she'd jump on as a producer, because I knew nothing about producing a film and getting money and all the rest of it. But I assumed because she's had such a long, you know, been in the industry such a long time that she might be able to help. Because I was also a late starter to the acting. I didn't get involved in this industry. I was about 27 or 8. Once Terry was on board, we... Yeah slowly got the money through some of her contacts and everything else. She brought Dean Fish on as well, who was then became sort of primary producer. The money fell through. I think that's the biggest point where I could have walked away. Yeah. I, I was absolutely distraught. And it was really then down to probably mostly Terry, but certainly Dean as well that said, no, 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 don't worry. This happens in film. Pick yourself up. We'll go again. So I think in that sense, if it wasn't for them to at that time, basically giving me a talking to and saying, come on, Liven yourself up, get up and keep going. Wow, it's so interesting hearing about how it all worked because when I just spoke to Terry earlier, Michael, she literally totally underplayed her role and what she did, you know, and I guess that just shows what a cool person she is, that she doesn't want to take any credit. 
No, I think for me, I think what she's doing there is she's basically saying, because it's her film that she's been involved in as a producer, the, the reins, really the guy that held the reins with that was probably Dean. But in, in other ways, for me personally, as a, as a writer-director, I think Terry, for me, in this process, has really has been a rock. You know, I can't, she's been... Um, what, what should they say? Behind every good man, there's a, there's, a, there's a good woman or a strong woman. And, and she, really, she really is that. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people, I can fly off the handle as well at times and, and lose my temper and stuff. And leave, not necessarily in public, well, I wasn't on set, don't get me wrong, shouting and screaming at everybody or anything like that. It's not how I work. Everybody had quite a laid back time. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm laid back, I like to laugh and joke. Temper yeah. tantrum was generally on the phone if I was yeah. ranting about something and moaning to Terry, who would say, look, I want to talk to you now. You're in a bad mood. I'll call you back. And then she'd call me back. Yeah. And Jimmy said, right, have you calmed down now? And we'd talk through things. And I'd go, yeah, yeah. I know what I am. But you know, you know what? I, know I think that's so nice and so lovely to be able to have that type of relationship with somebody so soon, considering you guys weren't friends for years. To be able to have that openness where somebody knows how you work and what your moods are like for each other. Um, she, Because she said she learned those from working with you as well. The thing that um, I wanted to say to you also is your cast is pretty diverse. And we're currently having these conversations constantly about diversity as far as race, representation, black and brown actors not being given the stereotypical roles all the time, collection of real society, especially in London. And I don't know if that was something that you were aware of or you just made it in the way that you felt you, you grew up, I guess. Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't a conscious decision to do that, but all the characters I, I, I put down, I mean, I, I'm one of these, as a first-time writer, I think the casting director or somebody pulled me up once and said, oh, you can't do that in a script. I write down, I go, a black guy walks into the room or he does this or this actor, and I describe him and go, he's a black guy about 23. The character Wallace, played by Charlie Werner, was originally black in the script. Right. We lost the actor that was going to play that because... Luckily for him, he went off and done a big series for Netflix. Great little actor, and I was a bit. And then I got to Charlie, who I knew, and just said, "Charlie, would you play this role? We've lost an actor." So Wallace ended up being a white guy. Mm -hmm. But initially, when I wrote it, like with Lloyd and all this, they would, as I say, just based on characters I knew. So, and it wasn't that I was trying to be diverse. I was just trying to be truthful. I mean, growing up where I did, and I've got quite a, a wide circle of friends, and we come from all different backgrounds, and we're all different, you know. So. Yeah. That was kind of it for me. That was the reason why I put this in. Um, and I did think maybe I'll get a little bit of flack in it somewhere because my mate Kevin came in who played the drug dealer outside the club, yeah. who was, um, I don't want to give too much away, but he's, he's trying to sell drugs outside the club. Mm -hmm. and, and in this day and age, you're probably always going to get some of that, oh, look, look how the black guy was the drug dealer. Mm -hmm. But the main characters in the film who are drug dealers are all white. And yeah. I knew plenty of drug dealers growing up and yeah. they were predominantly white. That character is based, the Kevin character outside the club, was based on, when I used to go to Brixton a lot, you'd quite have, often have openly mm. guys walking about, just walking up to you going, oh, yo, 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 do you want some pills? Do you want some drugs? Mm. In the middle, just open, blatant. And, I, and, and I'd always find it quite amusing. I'd go, no, you're right, mate. I'm fine, thank you. And just let them go on their way, you know, and you take the notice. So that was just my observations of that area. And I wanted to give it some authenticity and go, well, you know, these things happen and we're all here in this, you know, this society. And, and it's just a... A broad spectrum of people that are all doing something and even with the Lloyd character who was a lovely kid that's actually based on someone I didn't know um, I grew up with a young black guy who was a mate of mine when we was about 10 or 11 and we used to hang around together in the same area and we were quite close me and this kid I'm not going to say his name because and you'll get why in a minute but a little while after I was in Brixton Snooker Hall and I saw this kid's uncle and I hadn't seen him for ages the kid and I said to him I said oh how's he doing now and he said oh he's dead he got shot 
And I was like, wow. And he was the lovely. And he went, I said, how did that happen? He said he got involved with some bad people, went down the wrong road and whatever. He was the loveliest, sweetest kid. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to say with break, how the path you take can drastically alter how your life ends up and, and the stuff, the situations you find yourself in. I think this film, Break, is like, it's really important right now, you know, Michael, because there's so many young people that are living in inner city areas, on council estates, in the ends, and feeling like I've got no chance of doing the things I want to do and feeling quite stuck. And this film reminds you, actually, with the character that Sam plays, Spencer, that there is always a choice and you, everybody has talent of some sort so you can get out of your situations don't just give well, this, up that's something that was uh, there's a line in the film um that shelly says mm. when she stands up to spencer after they have an argument and she and he says oh you think you're better than me and she says i don't think i'm better than you i think you're better than you yeah and that was for me one of the strongest lines in the film because that's basically what it's about are you being the best that you can be or are you making excuses saying i grew up on the council estate what chance did i have i had to be a drug dealer i had to do this or i had to do that and i mean i grew up on the council estate and i've seen a lot of my mates go that way yeah. and then i've ended up albeit i left it late but i've ended up making a film don't be getting no funny ideas all right best to leave things in the past or you might not have a future you get what i'm saying take me about five minutes to find out where you live do you get me guys it's the 50 week podcast it's a place that we want to champion support and celebrate creative people working in film and music especially those indie creators uh, that are going against the grain and doing incredible things stories that you can learn from and feel inspired by and also entertained my guest right now is michael alkin who is the man behind new british film break michael what would you say to people that perhaps didn't go to college, uni, study film or aren't from a particular background and feel like there isn't a place for them in the film world, even though they have this desire and this like ambition to do it, but they just almost don't believe they can? Um, I, w- I would say basically pretty much what you just said. I mean, you can. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it can be harder. And that's why you, you tend to get, I've heard people criticise before when they look at certain gangster films or the Essex boy films and all that, and they go, it's always the same actors, always doing the same stuff. And it's like, yeah, because they don't get a chance. You've only got to look at, for a case in point, Adam Deacon, who was a BAFTA winner, who was from a very working class background. And I know there's been issues or whatever else, which I won't get into, it's none of my business, but he's won a BAFTA and didn't take off. Now, if that had been somebody, and I'm not, please don't think I'm knocking them because I'm not. I think we all have a place in this industry. But your Eton guys, your Cambridge guys, your Oxford and all that now. Yeah. It's very rare for a working class actor of, of any, any race or ethnicity to suddenly get catapulted to stardom in Hollywood films and all the rest of it. But if you went to Oxford, Cambridge or one of those schools, you quite often see them. You've got the Benedict Cumberbatches. You've, you know, you, there's loads of them. And I'm not saying they're not good actors. I think Benedict Cumberbatch, who I've just mentioned, is actually fantastic. Yeah. But you don't get carceted through when you come from a background. So, yes, it's 100%. It's going to be harder. It really is. But I do think it's achievable. And I think the only way that you ever will break that barrier from becoming a working class actor that only does working class films to somebody who's more diverse and does something bigger Mm-hmm. is by writing or working on other stuff. If all we ever make is gritty, um, and I know to some extent that's what Break is. Yeah. It's my first film. I have got other stuff. I've got period dramas I'm working on. Yeah. You know, I've got quite a diverse range of stories and, and scripts that I'm working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. But if we only ever write 
gritty urban stuff, that's all we're ever going to be thought of. You know, your Dickens films or your, your Oliver Twists, you're never going to get to that stage because yeah. you're only ever known for that. And that might be the case with me. People might see Greg and go, I oh, know we only want him for that. I mean, I've been contacted in the last couple of days by a guy with an idea um, who only actually is, is from Lewis, who lives up the road. And it's, I've read it, the, the stuff that he sent over, and it's a fantastic idea. It's a great idea for a script. And again, it's very gritty, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing, keep your feet on the ground. And it, you've got to do it for a certain amount of passion. For me, I was passionate about telling this story. I was passionate about getting this film out there. Um, and I believed in it. But in terms of money, don't make it for the money. Don't do it for the for the supposed stardom, which I don't think a lot of people do now, particularly this side of it. Even as an actor, I've never been interested in the potential of you know being famous or being well known. You just want to be appreciated for your work and for people to say you've done a really good job. Congratulations. Love the film. Um, I hope it does really good things for you and I hope it ends up on a streaming site somewhere after it's had its time in cinemas. Cheers. Thanks. Pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Fancy a game? Who's Vincent Chang? Five years and, you know, not, hello, Dad, how are you? So what'd you say? Can you imagine? Nowadays, he's like coaching. What's the point in having talent if you keep it to yourself? A lucky Spencer. How'd you know my name? I was sent for you. It was a dream you've always wanted to be a superhero. Yes! Do you know about my dreams? I hardly saw you before you was in. You don't know me. Right, it's a British independent film and it's awesome. I enjoyed it and I want to say thank you to Michael Elkin, the writer and the director. Ten years in the making. Congratulations, you did it. Also to Terry Dwyer, who's acting in it and also producing for the first time. They had a drive-in premiere earlier this week in London, Brent Cross, which was hugely successful. The plan is to roll it out all across the UK, so there are more details in the show notes. Guys, make sure you catch up on all of the podcasts you've missed. We've had so many incredible guests, including um, the stars of um, Lynn and Lucy last week, Jim Cummings, Tori Kelly, who just dropped a new track, um, Jacob Banks, um, Mark Jenkins, just a lot of incredible creative people subscribe so that you know when the podcasts are being uploaded so you don't have to think god i missed one oh no um if you subscribe it means it'll let you know straight away on pop up and i just want to say a huge thank you to every single person that is supporting and enjoying the podcast i will be back hopefully next week with another guest um until then everyone be good be safe and stay happy take care bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.